Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, everyone. Welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and it is great to be with you for another episode. Now, unless I'm mistaken, this should be, I think, my last record-ahead intro in preparation for paternity leave. And unless my math is wrong, I should actually be back in the office for my very first day back from leave right now. So, if future intros are totally unintelligible, you'll know it's because I'm operating in sleepless zombie mode. And even though we're probably climbing over mountains of dirty diapers, spit-up covered onesies, and crumpled Taco Bell wrappers, those are for me, not the baby, I'm confident that we're loving life with the newest addition to the Steele family. Hey, today we wrap up our short series on grad school. If you haven't already listened, go back to our last two episodes with Choma. She and I chatted about some simple tools for being successful during your grad school experience and had a great time reminiscing about our own experiences in law school and a clinical psych master's program. Today, though, we get to hear from Kim, a Franklin and Marshall College alumna and current doctoral student in Yale's geology program. Pretty cool. We talk about dealing with the new academic expectations, building relationships and community, and some of Kim's healthy spiritual rhythms for her new grad school experiences. It's exciting to get to hear from someone who's in grad school right now. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Kim. This one's for you, alumni. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit. I'm excited for you to share about what your life post-undergrad has looked like and what it's like to follow Jesus in your current context. But let's start with the basics here. Tell me a little bit about your undergrad. Where did you go to school? What did you study? When did you graduate? I did my undergrad at Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I majored in geology and physics there. And I graduated last May, 2021. So just a recent grad. Okay. Still fairly fresh on the scene of life post-undergrad. How's it been so far? It's been a little chaotic. I (laughs) went directly into a PhD program. So I'm still struggling student life. And yeah, I'm a rising second year in the geology program at Yale. Yale geology program. Wow. Kim, let me say that you are a first for this show to have that degree. What are you hoping to do after you graduate? That is a great question. My concentration right now is in seismology. So earthquake science, what I want to do with that, I have no idea yet. (laughs) I think I'm still trying to figure out what grad school is and how to be successful in that environment. How did you get into geology and seismology in the first place? What stoked your interest in that topic? That is a great question. I 
I had to declare my major junior year. I hadn't declared it. And they said they were going to hold my registration as a student if I didn't declare something. So I went to my advisor, who's a geophysicist. And he was like, okay, well, you know, you want to major in physics. Is there anything else you're interested in? And I'm, I'm like, I'm interested in everything, like chemistry, <laughs> physics, computer science. So he was like, you should try geology. And then the combination of those will let you do everything you want to do. So I just declared without having taken a geology class and then I liked it. <laughs> That's amazing. That reminds me of some of the conversations I had with my advisor in undergrad about psychology. You know, grad school, what should I study in grad school? And he was like, listen, here's my advice. Get a degree in clinical psychology. And then that degree will open the door to basically anything you want to do. You can specialize from there. I mean, I didn't end up going into psychology after my master's degree, but it sounds like you got very similar advice and that it has worked out pretty nicely for you so far. How long is your program? Four to seven years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you could clear your schedule for the next four to seven years, that would be great. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously, you know, four to seven years from now, we could talk a ton more about what's gone on in your program. But since we can't really look into the future, let's look back a little bit here. So you were a student with InterVarsity in your undergrad. I would love to hear the story about how you got involved. So I got involved with InterVarsity the sophomore year of undergrad. First year, I had a kind of rough time with my home church and just transitioning into being away from home. So I didn't really look for InterVarsity. And then sophomore year, I spoke at the convocation for the class of 2022. And one of the members of InterVarsity recognized me and was like, oh, what do you think about Jesus? Would you want to come to our large gathering? And I was like, you know what? I think it's time to give it a shot again and be more intentional about my faith. That's really cool. So your, your second year, you were speaking at Convocation. How did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was really into spoken word poetry, and I think they wanted to include something a little bit different than a traditional speech. So they reached out to me. I also went to really small liberal arts college, so that probably helped. Gotcha. So you had a few more opportunities. As That's really cool. And you've actually done some spoken word that InterVarsity has posted on YouTube, right? Yeah, I interned for 2100 Productions last summer and was able to write a bunch of poetry and chose some of my poems that I wanted to turn into videos. So that was a really cool experience. That's awesome. If people want to hear some of those, I'm going to post it in the show notes so that they know what to be looking for. So Kim, my understanding is that you had a pretty significant faith experience during your undergrad. Would you be willing to share some of that story? Yeah, I would say the most significant moment was the first time that someone in my family close to me passed away. It was my junior year of undergrad. It was Christmas Day. I remember just being absolutely distraught. And when I got back to campus that spring, one of my best friends and I were co-leading a Latinx prayer ministry where we would all just show up, read a psalm, and then spend time in prayer, speaking in our native tongues. Even if you weren't of Latinx heritage, it was just a space for everyone to be and express as they are. So I just remember coming in with this heavy grief. And then everyone else in the group also ended up having some really challenging circumstances in their life at that point right before COVID. And that was probably the most significant faith experience that I had just because growing up, Christianity felt very flowery to me. And this was the first time where it felt like I was 
in a space, in a community of people that were engaging with how they were actually feeling and showing up authentically and not hiding that from the Lord. So I felt like that was a space of healing for everyone who was there. So your past church experiences, you use the word flowery, and I'm assuming by that you mean sort of like only the best of what we have to bring is here in this space. Happy-go-lucky faith experience like, yay, God is good and we are joyful because of that. Yes. Okay. But then here in this space, you were bringing in this extreme grief. You had other people who were joining you that were bringing in these heavy things that they were experiencing and you were able to pray and lament and grieve together in that space. And like, Hey, God's not only with us in these really happy, joyful experiences, but he also lives with us here in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us as well. That's worded so perfectly. Yeah. And there were times where we would show up and gather together. We wouldn't know what to say. So that's why we would go directly to the Psalms or Lamentations and read it in English and Spanish during some of the meetings, even if we didn't have the words, at least sharing scripture with each other. Wow, that's amazing. What a great word for us. Just that idea right there that if there's stuff that's just got you messed up right now, okay, that's what you should talk to God about. You can be joyful and happy too, but when you're bummed out, be bummed out. God wants to hear about those things as well. And those can be deeply transformational things. What a cool story that one of your most standout memories was God meeting you in this place of grief and that making your faith that much more real to you. That's pretty amazing. Let's move forward here just a little bit. So in our recent two episodes, we've been talking about what it looks like to thrive in grad school. Choma, a friend of ours who's been on a few different episodes, came on. She just a year or two ago finished up her law degree. And so she was talking about what it was like to go into this post-undergrad experience and deal with the new challenges that come up in this high academic level program that she's in and what it looks like to actually step into that and not just survive the experience but to thrive in the midst of it. And so you are right at the beginning of this four to seven year period. (laughs) So (laughs) I would be really interested, big picture, what comes to mind as you think about your transition from undergrad to this PhD program? What's that been like for you so far? At first, it was really lonely and isolating because I was moving from Pennsylvania to Connecticut, very different geographic settings. So kind of lonely, but at the same time, God was slowly providing community in different areas. So it kind of felt like a challenge to first get it right with God and have that relationship right. And then once that started happening, it felt like all the other spaces were starting to be filled in within a church community, my peers and my home environment. So over the course of your first year, you've seen some development in these places that originally felt like lonely spaces and and you're seeing some changes happen in that first year. Are you from Pennsylvania originally? Is this your first time further away from home or is this like, no, I've had this experience before? No, I've had this experience before. (laughs) I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. So then there's a few different parts of your PhD experience so far that I'd be really interested to hear about. Let's just talk about the difference in academic rigor, the intensity of classes, studying content that you're expected to know and bring with you the next day or to exams. What has that been like for you going from the change in academic rigor from undergrad to grad program? So I'd say the academic rigor is just about the same. I feel like my undergrad really prepared me. (laughs) The main difference I would say is that in undergrad, I could get away with not knowing specific details about the content material or really understanding why. And then grad school is 
different. I actually do need to understand why things are the way they are. And it's this transition from being just a student to being a colleague of my professor. That's kind of the training route that I see. So it's a little intimidating. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Uh, Did you have very many grad assistants or teaching assistants that taught your undergrad classes? Do you know? I did not have any. Okay. Because I was an adjunct for a few years. And it's interesting not being an expert in the field and teaching people. And like, there are probably things that people can get away with as a result, because you don't know the difference because you're not an expert. Here in your situation is you're like, toe to toe with the experts, with the people who actually know. So if you're trying to bluff your way through something, they know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's not going to work out. (laughs) No, no, it's definitely not. I have to ask again, from my own experience, do you have any classes that made you do oral quizzes? Not yet, but I do have my qualifying exam coming up soon, which is a three hour oral exam. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, that sounds worse than my experience, but I had a class that weekly we would have oral quizzes. And so it's the whole class. And at any given moment, you could be called out to answer any question, including who was this book dedicated to just as proof that any piece of content in your textbooks is fair game for me to ask questions about. It was an insane experience for me. That was one of those moments where I was like, I'm in a different world here than what I've experienced in the past. That sounds (laughs) intense. So thankfully, your undergrad has done a really great job of preparing you. Tell me again where you went to school. Franklin and Marshall College. Franklin and Marshall. Okay, Franklin and Marshall College, way to go. Preparing your students well for next level of education. That's awesome. You started to allude to this just a little bit, but let's talk about social life. You've come from an InterVarsity chapter. What is that part of your community looking like at this point? I'm still kind of plugged into the InterVarsity for my undergrad, just because a lot of my relationships are still continuing. But currently, I think I'm more plugged into a local church as opposed to an InterVarsity chapter. Well, let's talk about that change. You said that it felt like this lonely space for a while. And then over time, you were starting to get connected to this church community. Tell me a little bit about what that process has looked like for you. One thing my chapter used to do in undergrad was we would go as a community to different churches and figure out the style of it and go a few times sometimes just in case there was like an off day. So I think I took that with me and I've been church hopping for most of my first year, just trying to think about what the different ideologies are between the different churches and seeing what aligns more with what I agree with. But then also God is God and provides community. And so the InterVarsity 2100 Productions internship that I did last summer, there was a Yale alum who was my boss. No way. She lived in New Haven and she was like, there's this great church I think you might like. And she connected me with someone who was leading a small group. And so I just kind of showed up and fell into place. That's awesome. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like you've had a couple of different approaches that you've been going at. One is this like, hey, let's take some time to check out these different churches and see what's a good fit. What church do I need? What church needs me? And where do we sort of align together? And then another is that you've got just this person in your life who's helped get you connected to a local small group. Amazing how those things happen. Another social aspect that I wanted to ask you about, what's it been like building relationships with other people in your cohort? What has that been like for you? That's actually been a lot of fun. We created a weekly book club so that we're not only thinking about science. I mean, I guess we're still thinking about science because they're science fiction books. (laughs) 
but it's a different part of the brain. So it's really exciting to just be able to meet up, whether it's weekly or biweekly, and just discuss literature. That's been a lot of fun. And we do different activities. Like we went to an ice hockey game last semester. That was fun. So I guess with my cohort, I think everyone's been trying to think about ways to be intentional and relational with one another outside of the classroom setting. That's really awesome because I feel like in many of those, especially like higher level degree programs, it's really easy to get sort of caught up in the competition of that space of like, hey, down the road here, we're going to be competing for some of the same jobs, some of the same postdoc placements. It's nice to know that you can start building some of those relationships early on if you are intentional about pursuing those things. And it doesn't just have to be about your class ranking and who's going to get what position down the road. Definitely. This has been my personal experience, mostly because I feel like the department is really collaborative. So I guess it really depends on where you are. And maybe that's something to ask if someone's thinking about grad school. That's a really great question. When we went in for interview day, that was something that the professors who were there were very clear about. They said, we will squash any of this sharking your teammates. This is a collaborative program. We are peers and we do what we can to help support our teammates. You are working together in this space to help each other thrive, which I really appreciated. So that's the really good tip to give to people that might be, you know, next time they're in a round of interviews or something is to ask that question. What do you do about competition within your program versus relationship building with your peers? That's a great idea. So as you think about what your own faith development has looked like in this program, how has that changed from your undergrad experience to your grad experience? What's it been like to continue pursuing a relationship with Jesus in this new season of life? Yeah, so it's been interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I would say fall semester was a lot about Mm, I think with a lot of adjustment, it was really easy for me to fall into complaining about different things. And so fall semester became a lot about what does it look like to worship Jesus um, as a lifestyle, especially in a time of transition. And that it was part of like a sermon from one of the churches that I was visiting. It just used the story about the woman who falls at Jesus's feet and oils Jesus with perfumes. And so they were describing this kind of character of worshiping Jesus before anyone encourages you to from the minute that you walk into any space. So I'd say fall semester was a lot about thinking like the different spaces that I'm going into, whether it's a department and no one else that I know there's Christian within like my specific field. How can I worship Jesus in this space? What does that look like? And grappling with that. And then just any other space that I'm a part of, what does it look like to worship as a lifestyle? As you think about your PhD program up to this point, what would you say has been the most enjoyable part of this new academic experience? And what would you say has been the most challenging so far? The most enjoyable part, I think has been being surrounded by nerds (laughs) (laughs) okay, and just talking about the science for hours at a time and not feeling out of place because of it. I think this is one of the first times in like this specific, because, you know, PhD programs and master's programs, it's a very specific topic that you're studying. So being surrounded by people who are also equally as interested and enthusiastic about what they're studying has been great. It is amazing those moments where you step into a place and you're like, I have found my people. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in my undergrad experience, I was like jumping all over the place trying to figure out what in the world I was going to study. I had taken a sociology class and I was like, there's some elements of this. There's something here, but it's not quite it. But there was enough of a spark there that was like, there's something in the conversation here that's interesting, but I'm not quite there yet. And then finally, I stepped into an abnormal psychology class. Day one, introduction of the material, I was like, this is my professor who ended up being my advisor for the rest of my academic program there. And these are my people. These other like 10 people in my class, these are my people. And I just knew like, okay, psychology, this is my world. It is amazing when you step into that space and you're like, I'm finally with the people who think like me. Definitely. <laughs> okay. So then being surrounded by nerds, as you put it, has been really great. Tell me what's been most challenging for you so far. I'd say public speaking, surprisingly, has been the most challenging just because I think being in remote schooling and being removed from an in-person environment, I feel like I lost all my presentation skills somehow and I'm still trying to practice them again. You've gotten very used to this kind of a conversation right here as opposed to standing in front of a classroom and presenting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Both are incredibly valuable skills, but one does not necessarily prepare you for the other. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's been an adjustment to remember how to speak in front of other people. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I remember feeling that way at the beginning, just because we had presentations and things, but still so much of what we did in undergrad was exam based. That's what your grade was based on was exams. And then I went to grad school and it was like, now nah, the vast majority of your grade is based on presentations. And so over time, you get very, very comfortable being up front. Eventually it starts to become fun because you start to find your upfront personality and like what your presentation jokes are and things like that. And eventually, at least in my experience, eventually it got more and more fun as you went along. So I hope that's the case for you as well, Kim. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Kim, we've talked about a whole bunch of things here. The last thing that I would be interested to hear is based on your experiences thus far, what advice would you give to somebody who's about to step into their first year of grad school in the fall? So I'd give two pieces of advice. The first, my best friend from undergrad gave me before any big transition in your life, you have time to pray about the different things that you hope to be in place. So you have time to pray about your spiritual life, community, church community, uh, your living situation, your purpose, like all of these things. And so I found it very helpful to pray about those things in community. So that's something that I think I'll continue carrying before any big life transition. And then something specific for grad school, I'd say if you haven't started observing the Sabbath, I'd encourage that a lot. I personally have found it helpful because academia has this culture of productivity and elitism. And I think it's good to get your work done, to do well in classes. But I found that when those things aren't going well, it's hard for me to not make that my identity. So I think for me, I found observing the Sabbath to be a really good day to sit with my identity in Christ. And part of sitting with my identity in Christ includes, well, what do I enjoy doing? What kinds of hobbies do I like? And being intentional with like different relationships on the Sabbath and just separating myself from this program. I know I'm in this program. It's very rigorous, very challenging, but that's not my entire life. And I think observing the Sabbath has helped me continue to remember that. 
those are fantastic pieces of advice. One, I'm really happy you brought up in particular because it's something that Choma and I talked about in our previous episode as well. That idea of Sabbath, that was a game changer for me in grad school as well. I went in just basically working seven days a week because there was seven days a week worth of work to do. And it was one of those things where it was like, I can either just keep working myself to death, kicking the can of rest down the road, or I can draw a line in the sand right now and say, no, I need rest and I'm going to do it because it's good for me. It's good for my relationship with God. And like you said, it's also a great opportunity for me to invest in relationships with others. And that was my day to just be like, hey, let's have lunch and watch a movie together. Let's hang out and just spend time doing this together and not not doing work together. 100% affirm, Kim, wise advice. And another way that we can bear God's image because he created and then he rested. He created on purpose and he rested on purpose. He has brought you to this program on purpose. You're there to work hard and to do the things that God has given you to do. But you also have the opportunity to take a break because you need it. And because that's the example that God set for us. And it's really, really, really good for us. <laughs> and it's just really good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I guess that's also a takeaway from InterVarsity. And I'll do like a quick plug in because my campus ministry leader gave me a gift before graduating. It was a book called Sabbath Keeping, Finding Freedom in the Rhythms of Rest by Lynn Babb. And that was just really helpful to have practical tips on what exactly to implement on a Sabbath day. So just in case someone's interested in learning more about what that looks like. That's great. You can't see the shelf, but I have that book on that shelf right over there. Nice. And one of the things that I love about that book is it talks about the way that Sabbath sort of morphed from one season of life to the other, and that we might have this particular definition or picture in mind of like, this is what Sabbath looks like. And this is the same for any spiritual discipline that we're experiencing is that as your season of life changes, the way that you engage with spiritual rhythms will probably change too. And that's okay. And probably builds into that first piece of advice that you gave is that as you are prayerfully considering this new season of life, one of the questions that you can ask is, how are my spiritual rhythms going to look different? I want them to continue, but feel the spiritual freedom to know that they will change and shift and look different. And that is okay. And that's natural, but be prepared for it. Have some game plans ready to go for how that might look so that you aren't just totally blindsided when the rhythm you had in undergrad doesn't work in grad school or when you go to the the workforce or whatever. So thank you for offering your wise words. And Kim, thanks so much for sharing some of your story with us and some of your experiences for sharing your time. It has been a lot of fun to get to talk to you and to hear just a piece of what you're starting to learn in this four to seven year period that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you're at the very beginning of right now. Thanks for having me, John. And thanks for being present and so intentional with your questions. I'm really happy to do it. Okay, my three takeaways from chatting with Kim. One, no more just keep writing to fill the page requirement strategies in grad school. You need to know your stuff. Even in highly collegial programs, you will get straight up called out when you try to bluff your way through. I know sometimes the reading requirements are ridiculous for a single class. My advice, split up the chapters with your cohort, do some detailed outlines and share them with each other. Sometimes this is your best and only shot at covering all the material, in my experience at least. Two, make friends with the people in your cohort and in your broader program. 
You're going to be spending a lot of time together over the coming years, and the people you're rubbing shoulders with are going to be some of your colleagues in the field. So wouldn't it be great to enter the following stages of your career with people who know that you're trustworthy and a hard worker, people who can advocate for your abilities, who actually want to collaborate with you professionally? And wouldn't it just be nice to have friends that you can lean on during your program? Sounds like a win to me. Finally, even in PhD programs that have extraordinarily high expectations for your level of achievement, you can and should make space for rest. Not just during holidays, not just during vacations, but during your normal weekly rhythms. Give Lynn Babb's book Sabbath Keeping a read and learn how to incorporate it now. I would also recommend The Radical Pursuit of Rest by John Kessler. I'll put a link in the show notes to both of those, and don't forget that you have a lifetime alumni discount that you can use to get them for 40% off. Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm grateful for your insights and for the world-changing work that you're doing in your context. And blessings on those remaining three to six years of your program. We believe in you. Hey, come on back next week for the first of five Urbana-specific episodes in the coming months. That's right. Every month between now and Urbana 22 in December, we're going to have a guest on the show who you'll be engaging with in one way or another at Urbana. I'm really looking forward to these conversations, and I'm excited to introduce you to our very first guest, your MC for Urbana 22, Anna Lee Winans. I even have a short message from her to you. Here it is. Hello, alumni. This is Anna Lee Winans, your Urbana 22 MC. I hope to see you at Urbana December 28th to 31st in Indianapolis, Indiana, to ring in the new year with the many yeses that God will give us as we rise up together. See you there. Yes, come on back next week to hear all about Anna's own Urbana story, what she's excited about as the Urbana 22 MC, and why Urbana is for you, alumni. I look forward to enjoying her episode together. Until then, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review if you're able, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'll see you in the after, alumni. <laughs> <laughs>